Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, we're back. Have you missed me? Lovely to speak to you again. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening from wherever you're listening from. It's Rachel McCartane of Plant Plots. It's lovely to be back for our awesome 2023 series of The Plotting Shed and oh my goodness I have been so busy this year it has gone absolutely nuts. I meant to record all of these podcasts in what should have been the downtime which is usually mid-July to the end of August for me because you should all be in your gardens and enjoying them at that point in the year or going away on holiday. And actually, it's been utterly nutty so far. I haven't stopped doing designs all year through. Or the online garden consultations that I've been doing, which have gone really, really well. The feedback that I've had from clients has been really positive. So I'm hoping that that's something I can develop and expand. And I mean, I've even had the furthest fields from Perth in Western Australia to Seattle in the northwest of America, I've done garden consultations. So it's been really exciting. So I'm a bit late doing all of these podcasts for this series. So my apologies, but I've just not had any downtime, which is a good thing to have, I suppose. You know, things are going really well. But honestly, my brain is just completely befrazzled with an overload of designs. It's been like horticultural gymnastics switching from one design to another design this year but that's been fine it's a good problem to have and I'm I'm very happy so this little season of podcasts I'm very conscious that you don't repeat yourself time and time again well obviously this that you know I'm trying to give you a blueprint and a framework and and everything to help you design your garden. So what I'm trying to do with this series is to really look at those elements that hold people back when they're trying to design a garden or that you're frightened of taking on board or giving you pointers and tips and hints as to what you can do to transform your garden. Because let's face it, the internet is absolutely full of data. I mean, I can look and type in something about garden design and there's 25 billion different sources of information and it's totally, totally overwhelming. So what I'm trying to do is sort of find those keyholes that you can go through that will then help you unlock the mysteries, I suppose, of your garden because... Data is just data. Data is only information if you understand it. And information isn't knowledge unless you can apply it. So everything I'm trying to do is kind of take the standpoint of what would you be thinking if you're looking, you're standing at the back door and you're surveying your garden and thinking, oh, 
Where do I go from here? How do I solve this mystery? How do I unlock it? And try and put that in simple, easy terms so that you can apply that to your garden. And then it's real knowledge, isn't it? It's really good stuff that you can make positive changes to your garden. You can garden better, which means fewer things go wrong, which means less wasted resources. It's good for you. It's good for the planet. It's good for everything. It's good for your budget. All of those things. So that's the plan for this series. It's to sort of take you through a process that you can start thinking about how you can make those changes to your garden, what you need to think about, what you need to apply, how you identify issues. And then a little bit later on, we'll apply those to specific garden shapes or issues, whether it be odd shaped gardens or regular shaped gardens or upslopes, downslopes, that kind of thing. I thought I would start with one of the things that people, when they come round to my house, or that we go to gardens, and I've been visiting some gardens this over the course of this summer, and you wander around and you think, God, that's so good. And I went to Chelsea, and I went to Hampton Court, and you look at some of the gardens, and you think they're really amazing, and they've been thought through. And then you walk back and you come into your house and you look at the back garden and you just think, how can I apply all of that? I'm inspired. I've had all these different images and, and plants that I've looked at and I've seen shapes and designs and layouts. And I just have no idea how to translate that into what's outside my back door or my front door. So I thought we'd start by telling you a little secret, which is that you don't need to become a gardener to have an amazing garden. Now, I know that sounds a little bit like a contradiction, but it's not. So if you look at me, what am I? I am a 56 and a half year old something who grew up in horticulture, my parents had a horticultural nursery, I knew plants, I knew how what they were called, I knew how they grew, all that kind of stuff. Am I a professional garden designer? Hmm. Yes, in the sense I earn my living designing other people's gardens, so if that's the definition. But would I class myself as a designer in that bracket that you see designed gardens in horticultural media? No, I wouldn't. Or actually, I was talking to a customer the other day, and he said, what's your style? What, what kind of gardens do you create? And it suddenly struck me that what I do is I try to create the garden that's inside their head. Because for me, if I can extract the, the data from the client and then be able to interpret it and give them what they need, then that's an amazing garden because it works. It does what they need it to do. I think we need to adapt our definition of amazing. So if I went to, as I said, you go to Chelsea, you get overwhelmed by the complexity and the technical skill and the 
delivery and the finishing touches and everything of people who specialize in that level of designed gardens and it is a speciality and it they are eye-catching and wonderful and inspirational and really really impressive just for the ability to actually combine things and get everything ready to deliver it for that sort of show but also if you go to estates and national trusts or the RHS or whichever country you are you go to your municipal gardens they're also beautiful and, and amazing you tend to assume that the only words that you can use for that type of garden are these sorts of extraordinary amazing wonderful adjectives and therefore those can't be applied in your space because your garden can never be as grand or as expensive or as perfect as those gardens so therefore we can never have an amazing garden but there are different levels of amazing aren't there what is amazing well amazing is something that changes how you think isn't it i can look at a painting and it could be worth millions of pounds and i look at it and i think well i wouldn't give that 100 quid it's not amazing to me maybe amazing to somebody else so that's the key point you need to begin to think about the garden doesn't happen to amaze somebody else it just has to amaze you it has to amaze you because you've created it it has to impress you because you've thought this through and put something in the ground or changed something so stop believing that what you can create can't be on the same level if you have a quarter of a million pound budget or you have acres of space you can create something very very different i don't if i go and and, and run down the street i for you know to go and get myself fitter i would never compare my running times to an elite athlete that's unfair it's unfair on me i don't have the same capability yet when it comes to our gardens that's what we do all the time we compare them to the elite you can create an amazing garden because the only people it's got to amaze are the ones that are living there so how do we do that? I suppose I design from a different starting point than the traditional garden designer because I'm not doing garden design in a traditional way. Most garden designers will come to your house, they'll take site surveys and soil samples and they'll spend a long time analysing the layout and then it's very much a design and build so what you're buying is a finished package you shut your eyes one week and you wake up the next week and the garden is transformed and all the plants are in that's not what i do i don't do that because a i don't want to do that but also b i think there are 
millions of people who would benefit much more from just having the tap-in of somebody saying and hand-holding effectively. So I do it from pictures. I design for the average householder, the garden owner, somebody who looks out and wishes that they had a better garden but can't quite do it themselves. They just need somebody to just walk with them on that journey. Then my design modus operandi is much more practical. I try and unlock the design that's in your head and get that out into the garden and help you deliver that. That's my job, that's my interface, that's the catalyst that I try to be for you and your gardeners. So I start from a different standpoint and it's a much better standpoint for somebody who is not a gardener to start from. So what I do and what you should do is initially to identify all of the negatives. There are internal negative factors in your garden and there are external negative factors. So the internal negative factors, those things that within the boundaries of your space that annoy you, it could be the patio's really ugly, it can be the, the fences are a bit falling down, there's, a, there's an ugly shrub that gets in the way, it's just bland, it's boring. And you need to identify those negative issues in two ways. So on a piece of paper, you can write them down. There are practical negative issues and there are emotional negative issues. The patio is a bit cracked and broken and worn out. Well, that's a very practical issue. We know how to solve that. We need a new patio. So those are practical ones. We know what the solution to that problem is. But then there are the emotional ones, and these are the harder ones for you to get sort of down on a piece of paper, but they're actually the most important ones. What is it about your garden that makes you feel really What isn't delivering? This is about you understanding how you would use the garden if you could. It's all about asking questions. What why why don't I sit there? That's the sunny spot. Is it just it's just bland or maybe I feel a bit exposed when I sit outside. Maybe I, I just feel everyone's looking at me. Maybe I just sit there and all I look at is fences and there's the lawn and there's a few little bedding plants around the edge and I just feel my my inside of my house is much nicer than the outside and I'll I'll spend my time inside. So you have to sit and really begin to analyse what are the negative emotional factors in your garden that stop you enjoying it the way you really want to. So we set those aside. So those are the internal negative factors. And then we look at our external. And again, there's a practical external and an emotional external. External elements would be things like what you see, the view beyond your fence. It can be the amount of noise where there's a lot of background noise. It can be the, the weather. It can just be the fact that your garden never gets any sunshine because it's always overlooked by this. It's too shady, you know, or it's just messy from things blowing in all the time. 
assign those issues as practical or emotional. Some might actually sit in both camps. For example, privacy. Privacy is a practical issue because you're overlooked on various elements, but it also has an emotional context that it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. We've now identified negatives. And you might be thinking, well, but how's that gonna give me a garden that's really fantastic? Well, remember this, if we reduce a negative, it becomes a positive. This is a good place to start. We eliminate those things that are detracting from our garden. It can only be a positive. The problem being, for most of us, we are limited. We are limited in capacity, we're limited in size, we're limited in budgets. So there, of all of those issues that you have identified, we can't solve all of them. You've got to then prioritize those issues that are the key ones, the ones that have the biggest impact. Because if we eliminate the biggest negatives, we will by definition have the biggest positive effect. I can't tell you what those issues are, sadly. There is no formula for you to identify that other than asking questions and write down simple answers to those questions. From this now, you will have a list of essential priorities that we have to do, and they might be internal emotional issues or external practical issues. There are different solutions to each of those problems. Where we have an emotional issue, there are three ways that we can provide a solution for that emotional problem. One is distraction, one is disguising, and one is enhancing. So we can't necessarily change that because it's an emotion we're trying to change. So we've got to change the source of the negative emotion. And we can do that by looking at somewhere else, by obscuring or finding a way to make that emotional problem seem less important. Or we can go head on into that emotional problem and say, I'm gonna make you more beautiful. I'm going to embrace this and then its negativity begins to diminish. And we'll talk about how we do that in later podcasts. The practical solutions are obviously easier to resolve. It's involving changing your microenvironment. It could be the patios need changing, but we can enhance those. It could be that there's not enough light for things to grow at ground level, we're too shaded. Well, we can change that. We can remove branches, we can thin things out. We can declutter a garden by taking out stuff that we don't need. We can improve the soil, we can improve the drainage. We can't change the weather though, and the macro environment. But what we have to consider is how that will affect in the worst of elements of our garden and, and make it work better when it's at its worst. Because if we can get the garden to operate when the worst of everything's happening to it, 
and it will still function, then when it's great, the garden is only going to be thriving more and be even better. Too often we consider how adding new stuff in or acquiring things or bringing in and adding features and elements will improve the garden. But the negatives are still there, aren't they? So if they're not eradicated or minimised or detracted from, they're always going to be that little nagging voice in the back of your head going, yeah, it's okay, but... And that's not what we want to have. Funnily enough, once you've dealt with all of these negatives, it gives you a really good starting point as a route map to understand what the changes are that you need to to make to your garden. You've answered the questions. Why will this make my garden better? Well, it'll make my garden better because now I can do this or now I've covered, I've found a way of concealing or hiding that, which means that I will sit here now and enjoy this part of the garden because it that eyesore isn't going to annoy me anymore. You know what job each distraction or disguise or whatever it is has got to do to minimise the negative. So you now have a simple non-horticultural process that you can apply to your garden that will make changes and improvements because it's based on practicality and solving negatives. I haven't even mentioned plants yet, have I? And the reason I haven't is that if we can remove the negative elements that might be preventing those plants and existing shrubs that we have from thriving and looking great in our garden, plants are really good at doing their thing without our interference. So if we can allow them to grow in the way that they would, their natural beauty will begin to shine through. And it may be that you take a new look at that plant and go, oh, actually it's pretty nice. It doesn't look quite such a sad little specimen in the corner there because I've taken away the stuff that's preventing it from being the plant it wants to be. So the upshot of this is, yes, you can have an amazing garden, even if you are not a gardener. Because if you stand at the back door and you look out with a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning, and your garden goes, oh, yeah, do you know, I've done that and I've, I've made this and I've changed that and that's so much better. That's amazing, isn't it? Next week, we're going to talk about mistakes, bloopers, cock-ups, things that can go wrong and how we can prevent that happening in the first place because it's just the next step on from eliminating negatives. It's planning future negatives and making sure those don't happen. So tune in next week. In the meantime, have a look on my website, you know, plantplots.com. You'll see there's lots and lots of gardening advice on there. Do please let me know what you think. I love to hear from all of you when you send me messages. It's great. So any feedback is really, really appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. It's lovely to be back and I'll speak to you next week. Bye for now. 
Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.